Um, but I do always say like my mum taught me I could be anything. So I feel like parents give their children a caveat. Like you can be anything if you do this. You can be anything if you do that. Whereas my mum was like, you can be anything. Full stop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Hello, my broadies. I am finally back on the microphone and just in time for International Women's Day. So happy Women's Day to you, to us, to all of the women in the world. And I especially want to point out this year's theme, which is celebrating women who tell stories. So basically what that means, according to the National Women's History Alliance, is that it recognizes women past and present who have been active in all forms of media and storytelling, including print, radio, TV, stage, blogs, podcasts, news, and social media. I mean, how perfect for this episode. So speaking of highlighting women past and present in podcasting, as I do, but as this month is also doing, I want to update you on some recent things that I've been working on and that I know you'll appreciate because it's been a minute since I've published an episode and since we've been here together with my voice in your ears. Then, of course, we'll get into my conversation with my guest for the episode. So since we last talked, I launched an accountability membership for women podcasters called Broads in Progress, and it's just over three months old, and we recently switched over to this cool new community platform called Heartbeat, which is super beautiful and cute and easy to navigate, and it's been awesome watching my members grow and make strides in their PR and marketing efforts, and it's just been really awesome having a private space to talk about all this stuff, and one that frankly doesn't have men in it. We don't have to worry about mansplaining, which is great, and I've loved getting to bring in my teaching background alongside the work that I do in podcasting to help even more women. I also launched ad and sponsorship options for my newsletter, Podcasting by the Moon. So 2023 is the year I want to make that newsletter especially impactful, given that it's currently the only industry one I'm aware of, and I'm aware of a lot of them, that specifically focuses on women in podcasting news, and of course, a whole bunch of other awesome stuff. So if you haven't subscribed yet and it sounds like your jam, which I suspect it is if you're listening to this podcast, then I hope you'll subscribe. It's free and it comes out every full moon and I've included more details in the show notes. Okay, so finally this month I put together a list of podcasts for the Pocket Cast app for Women's History Month and it has some folks you've heard on this podcast before and then a whole bunch of other awesome women. So I hope you'll go check it out and that is also linked in the show notes. Whew, okay. I know that was a lot, but I really wanted to update y'all. And honestly, these past six months have just felt like a lot too. I'm really working through the effects of burnout and the impact of saying yes too much, um, while also feeling like I need to say yes a lot as a solopreneur who is still in the midst of building up her company to a place where she wants it to be. And even while I've gotten better at saying no, there's just still a lot on my plate and I'm still figuring out better systems for myself. And so that's been kind of a journey along with, you know, personal shit that we're all dealing with. And that's why I haven't been super consistent here because I just I couldn't do everything and we can't do everything. 
I I know last year I fell off with like some hints and inklings toward the fact that I wouldn't be as often on this feed. Um, But I want to say very clearly that I do plan to be back here more consistently in the future. But right now, it's just not possible. And I'm finally feeling okay with that. And I think it's in part because I know I'll come back on my terms and not because I feel like I'm doing it because I feel pressured to or that I have to. And if I'm not, then I'm failing. Um, Because the reality is that I have limited resources and time. And that's okay. And I'm not sure if any of y'all have been feeling similarly with whatever work or life stuff that you have going on. But I do sense and see the kind of collective burnout that a lot of us have been feeling especially as we enter 2023, three years after the start of the pandemic. And I just know I'm not alone in experiencing that. So if you have, I hope you, you know, let yourself take a step back from one thing, whatever that one thing needs to be or that you want it to be, and to just know that that's okay. And you can always come back to it. Okay. Now that that's all covered, I am so ready to share this interview with Renee Richardson and to introduce my very first interview with a woman in podcasting who is not based in the U.S., which is super exciting. And before we jump in, I do just want to quickly note that this interview was recorded in July 2022, so right before Renee was about to give birth to her first child, which we do talk a little bit about in this interview. So for those of you who don't already know, she's the CEO of Broccoli Productions and the creator of the Equality and Audio Pact, another thing we do touch on in this episode. And we also talk about her time as a kid actor, how single women are viewed in society, what being uncomfortable means for her, and why being a CEO is kind of awful. So I always like to start off episodes asking people who they are outside of their work and who they are in their work. Okay, so what do you mean outside of work? I mean, I... So I initially decided on that question when I was starting season two because, or maybe it was season one, gosh, my own memory, because I feel like a lot of times when we ask that question, it quickly goes to like, oh, well, this is what I do in my job. And like our job just encompasses so much of our life, which especially for, I think, people who are in creative careers, it's it's very enmeshed and it is for myself too. But I got to a point where I was like, so how would I answer that outside of just naming my identity within my work um, and who I am and who I want to like describe myself as outside of the work that I do? So that's that's what that comes from. Okay. So I would say I'm Renee Richardson, (laughs) um, soon to be parent um, about a week out of uh, my new life as a as a single mum by choice. I am outspoken. I am not comfortable, is what I would say. Um, that's how I describe. And I don't mean because I'm pregnant and nine months pregnant. Oh. <laughs> I mean, as Sorry, in that's like, why I laugh. <laughs> I've always, I, and, and I am not comfortable. England, um, I don't know if anyone read um, England recently. Oh, yeah. When we're at the time of recording this, we are after England's hottest day ever. That oh. I got through all two hottest days ever back to back. That I got through nine months pregnant. But I, by uncomfortable, I mean I'm never someone who is in any area of life happy with what is going on in general. So I'm not comfortable in general. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen to go into my work life, but it also is my, in my personal life. I just look around and be like, we're not equal. Like, how can we be comfortable? So that's what I would say. That's me. Okay. And then in work, you are? And in work, I am a podcast producer, a CEO. 
of Broccoli Productions and yeah, just a, a shake the table, push the table over kind of person. I love it. So in terms of the like identifying as someone who is not comfortable, is that something that you have kind of identified as is a long time or is there a specific specific point that you can like look to and be like mm, that's when that began for me I'd say my first job when I was working at Pizza Hut when I was 16 <laughs> <laughs> I love it um I've never been someone who is yeah com- comfortable is the best way to put it so at Pizza Hut I would just remember the employee employers taking advantage of the kind of weak, I would say not weaker, let's say less um, people who wouldn't necessarily advocate for themselves. And so for me, I've always, once I saw that, I'm always like, no, nah, that's not right. Let me say something. So, and I've been that way since that, that was my first job, like first, like, um, you know, you go to work job. And right. I've been the person who always is either sticks up for the little guy or just is like, that's not right. And says something. I've always been that way. It's led to me losing jobs, but it means for a long time I've never been comfortable in just I, just looking around and being like, "This isn't right." Yeah, yeah. So it's been the whole time I've been in the like real world. I would say the employment world or employee <laughs> employed world. <laughs> work world <laughs> I, I i i understand what you're saying it's, yeah it's hard to name it well and but you were also i've come to learn a child actor as well I, so at, at, at what point did that start pre pizza hut um, that was how pre- old were you when that was that was pre pizza hut and <laughs> <laughs> um, that was from the age of 14 um oh, so okay. when i was 14 i changed schools and went to stage school so i left a normal state like secondary school and went to a, a like a you know fame I always say to people, my life was like an episode of fame and I miss it every day. (laughs) Um, But that's when I went, because, you know, kids, you think you want to be an actor or, you know. And I went and then it was, I got my first job as an actor and I realised, oh man, I can't act. But it was too late because I'd made my mum send me there. So there was nothing I could do about it. (laughs) But but you got the job. I got jobs. I I was like, how, how... what made you realize you couldn't do it when you were in that that state of it? Because if you must have been able to do it a bit if you got no. the job. So when you're a child actor, you can get by on personality. And right. if you're nice to be around, so you can get work. So I got work, but it was at the time I was making a CBBC, um, which is a children's BBC series. And it was my whole summer and I was there filming and it was my first scene where I had like a, you know, like a little monologue. And I was like, oh man, I can't do this. I hate it. And I realized that at that point when the cameras were on, action was called. I was like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but it was too late because I'd already like made everyone change their lives. <laughs> oh my so, goodness. So there was nothing I could do. So I persevered and went through. Yeah. But when I was a child actor, it was more... It was, I was still like a a kid. So I didn't know necessarily, I wasn't the only black person there um, Mm -hmm. on set. Like there was other people, like I was on like quite diverse shows. Okay. So like I wasn't like the only black person or I wasn't the only person like me. So I didn't really necessarily notice the, I wasn't uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable because I couldn't act, but I wasn't uncomfortable because of society, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. It wasn't until I got to like real work 
And I was like, oh, this is nonsense. Yeah. And yeah, but luckily, yeah, I had that whole, I actually did child acting. Well, acting until I was 19. I pushed it okay. way too long. Mm. <laughs> but it's because that's all, I went to stage school. So then I ended up going to this um, college called the Brit School, which is another arts college. And so I kind of ended up in that world. <laughs> not that I didn't want to be because I was interested in the arts, but I realised I'm not a performer. Yeah. I, so yeah. that's when I started to learn about the business side. And then after that, I got a job in a talent agency and then I was free. <laughs> I didn't need to act anymore. I think, well, something that that you just said in recounting that experience and that I've also heard you kind of express on other interviews and something that I admire about you is, first of all, it doesn't seem like you have a fear of either getting fired or of quitting and also identifying when something is not working for you and just like going forth regardless of what might it look like after. And so I just wanted to name that at first. Um, and then also say like, I don't know. I'm, I'm so, I'm so fascinated when that's someone's experience because I feel like I come from a very, like, I'm just now finding my place into that as I enter 30 and like my whole 20s was just being like an anxious mess of like, Oh my God, I don't want to get in trouble and I don't want to get fired. Da, 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 da. So I guess like, where does that, where do you think that comes from for you? I think it definitely has to come from my upbringing. It has to be my mum. It has to be. Yeah. Because it doesn't make sense. Because I've been quitting jobs since I was 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it wasn't something that I grew into. It was like, this was how I did. This was my life. Um, so I, I identified something. It wasn't right. And I've, I've have, literally have an argument about it. Because I also have this thing of, I don't care who I'm shouting at, which in adult life, you have to taper down, which I'm learning. Right. But, you know, <laughs> um, I still have a temper on me. So I would have it out and then I'd quit. Mm -hmm. That was from the age of 16. <laughs> so I have to say it has to be my mum um, instilled in me, don't take any BS, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but I do always say, like, my mum taught me I could be anything. So I feel like parents give their children a caveat. Like, you can be anything if you do this. You can be anything if you do that. Whereas my mum was like, you can be anything. Full stop. I love that. And my mum actually convinced me not to go to university. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's one of the random ones who's like, don't go, because she knew how I, I didn't, I don't really get on with authority. And she was just like, that's going to be like three, four years of authority. And you hate that. Mm -hmm. after college so she was like don't go see what ha she was like see what happens in the next year so she encouraged me to take a year off try my acting um, <laughs> <laughs> or see see what could happen in that year between me leaving college um like the Brit UK college where you're 18 and then going to university so, and then that year I got a job in a talent agency and I didn't need to go to uni which is lucky yeah. But yeah, yeah, so I'd say my mum, because I didn't have to unlearn any of the behaviours that people have to unlearn in their tw late 20s and 30s, because I already had it. Yeah, yeah. Luckily. I heard you say that about your mom on a different podcast, and I was like, I took notes, because I love that, like, no qualifier, you can do whatever you want to do. And I think parents do that. I think it's the kind of a trap parents fall into because you want your child to, I don't know, go to, you know, education is obviously important. But 
they don't realize that you're giving your child a barrier right. that stays with them forever, which then they carry on into a job. Oh, I, I'll get this promotion if I'm nice to this person. Or I'll get this promotion if I just if I just don't, you know, rock the boat here. It will. And I'm like, no, rock the boat. Sink it. <laughs> That's the quote I'm pulling. <laughs> But yeah, oh. that's, but that's, I'm, I'm just like, uh, yeah, just burn it all. See what happens, no. see what happens afterwards. Because I, I just think I've seen too many people play, like, toe the line. And I'm like, how's that working out for you? Right. Let's try a different way and see what happens. Because the worst thing that happens is uh, you get fired and you just find another job. So it's fine. Right, right. <laughs> well, and and obviously you have forged your own path. And so I always love hearing, especially how like women in the podcast industry, I mean, in general, but in podcasting specifically, have gotten to that point. So you're at this talent agency. And then talk me through kind of just like, I guess the major points that you can point to that are like, okay, that led to this and this led to this. And this is how Broccoli Productions came to be. Wait, I was lucky, not lucky. But like I got a job, luckily back then it was before email. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, e- well, email was around, but people yeah. still sent letters oh. and the post was still of, uh, still very important. So I, I was able to get a job in a post room in a talent agency, which is a way a lot of people in America that you've got the agent training program and they start in the post room, in the mail room. But you normally need a finance degree in order to get that job in the mail room in US talent agencies yeah or you need business degrees but in England I was lucky because I don't have a degree there was a post room because posts were still popular back then and Mm -hmm. I got a job and I would say that was my that was kind of the the point when I entered entertainment because I worked at one of the biggest agencies in Europe and worked my way up from the post room and it was kind of one of those things that everyone's like you can't do that you get the job in the post room and you stay there (laughs) or you become an office manager and I was like no I'm gonna become an agent's assistant and then I'm gonna become an agent (laughs) and then who knows um so I was in the post room for a year and a half but I I, because I just saw I knew I wanted to be the best post room person or mail room person you've ever had (laughs) and so because I was like I'm getting out of here yeah and I um like after like you'd learn the job. So after what three months, I started asking people around the, cause it had a theater department, a literary department, film and TV and acting department. So I started asking everyone, who needs help? Do you need any help with anything? I can do things like, do you want me to do anything? And so initially the literary department helped said, yeah, you can do our permissions. So I was doing book permissions. And then um, the acting department was like, yeah, you can script read for us. And then someone else was like, yeah, you can do this. So I ended up doing little bits. And then when there was a job, I went for it and I got it like as an agent's assistant there. And I ended up working at that talent agency for 10 years. Oh, wow. Working literally with everyone. And that was from like 19 to 29. But Mm. worked with, you know, Kate Winslet's agent, with Mm -hmm. um, Richard Curtis's agent. And they all knew me. And they all like kind of respected my graft which I think was great. And I think I was able to learn from the best agents in the business. Yeah. Of how to negotiate, 
how to just be, how to treat, how to work with talent, admin, yeah, <laughs> you know, booking, all the basic stuff. And from that point, it was after there, I went to a different agency, but I basically went and lived on a mountain in Canada for a year. But when I came back, <laughs> I was like, I want to make the things yeah, rather than be the agent for them. And that's when I went on the path to do production and got a job in a production company. I, I went and had to do a script development course, um, got a job in a production company, got jaded. Yeah. And was like, this is nonsense. I hate it. I'm going to be-, be a barista. So I did a barista course. I was going to open a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> While I quit my other job, I was doing my baristering. Uh-huh. A job came at Acast. Someone sent it from my, the talent agency that I used to work at. Her husband was um, start putting together a team for this podcast company called Acast. I looked at it and I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And I said to her, can I? Can I go for that? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, sure. And so I went, met him for a coffee, got the job. And then I was basically ACAST's first employee in Europe, in in, um, oh, in England, sorry, um, in London. And yeah, worked there for a year and a half, um, doing like podcast, signing podcasts, all that stuff. Got into, got into production and realised I want to make, I want to do production. I want to make shows and kind of got fired from there because, you know, caused too much trouble. Ended up at Audible. They didn't renew my comp- my contract because I didn't like them anyway. <laughs> Went to Panoply, got fired from there or let go. They let everyone go in the end anyway. Oh. And then started Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's, I want to pause for a second on the, on the started Broccoli yeah. moment. Can you give me a visual? Do you remember, like, can you give me a visual of like Renee, the moment that you were like, hmm, but then this, I could do this and this, I like the idea is coming to me. Do you remember what that moment was or like the moments that kind of come to mind and visually that you can point to? I remember it was the ACAS. When ACAS forced me to resign, mm-hmm. I remember at that stage, I couldn't make a podcast okay. on my own. And I remember I was like, damn it, I'm such an idiot. Why have I been working in podcasting and not bloody learning how to make them? So like the technical part is what you're like, like literally, you ha- okay. make, literally making a podcast on your own. Right. I couldn't. OK. And I and I said to myself, I'm never going to be in that position again. Mm. And that's when I bought literally the Zoom I'm using today. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and my mic that I'm using today. Yeah. And that's when I bought my little kit and I was like, I'm going to learn. And so I started making podcasts for my friends. So all my other jobs, I was making podcasts for my friends like in the evenings or on the weekends. Because I was like, I'm never going to be in that position again where I'm relying on someone else to like help me work. And so once I left Panoply, they had, you know, the whole Rennie Edo Lodge pitch and they're like, it's broccoli. No one will like it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so So I was like... I'm going to start my own company because I can now make podcasts. Yeah. Well, rubbish ones, but you know, I can make it. And also I don't want anyone, I don't want to put myself in that position again where I have to pitch to people who are just have no idea of content. Yeah. Or just have no interest in anything that isn't something they want to listen to or something they're interested in. And that's when I was like, I'm going to do broccoli, 
but we made but I made about race first because I was like this is the podcast that's gonna like launch me basically so I put all my eggs in that basket and I was like this is the podcast that's gonna do it and it did luckily if it, if it didn't I'd be like god god knows what I'll be doing now but it worked so yeah I love that I want to um I want to make very clear what you were just talking about in terms of the name because I know the story but I know some of my listeners won't know the story behind the name as clearly so you mentioned with Panoply they were saying that the content that you wanted to produce or make or green light was quote unquote broccoli content so can you just say that one more time like yeah, real clear so for my listeners. So I I found not I didn't find her, but I've been following this writer on mm-hmm. Twitter who was Rennie Edo Lodge, and she had written this essay called "Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race." And it was in 2017 that she she wrote it in I think 2014 or earlier. But in 2017, the Columbia Journalism Review did an article called um, pod, "Hashtag Podcasting So White," mm-hmm. and it took all of the major companies and showed you that not a single one had a podcast by a person of colour. Panoply did at the time, but it wasn't on air. It was Revisionist History with Malcolm Gladwell, but it wasn't wasn't in season. So Mm. at that time, April 2017, all of the big companies, none of them had a single podcast by anyone of colour. And so my boss at the time, Ryan, because I'd mentioned this to him before that I wanted to work with her. And he's like, maybe this is a good time to re-like pitch it again. So we pitched, Rennie wrote up a nice pitch for the podcast. It was going to be about race in Britain. And she put it in and I was like, she's got a book coming out. I think it's going to be huge. And they were like, no, it's broccoli. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? I asked my boss, like, what does that mean when someone says it's broccoli? Because I'd never heard that before. Right. And he's like, basically, it means it's good for you, but no one wants to eat it. So he's saying it's a good subject, but no one wants to listen to that. And so I was like, oh. And I was like, it's just because they don't want to listen to it. Because right. the panoply, or they're, 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 what they called the brass, they were all white. Liberal, but white and didn't care about race, clearly. So they basically said that. And then like we, we went for a few meetings more with Rennie and we just realised more and more that the show that we wanted to make wasn't for them. And so when I left, when like Panoply went wrong and ended, I, we, I, Rennie got in touch by chance and we were like, should we do it as a passion project? And so we just decided to make it on our own. And I knew I wanted to call my company Broccoli, kind of as a petty but an F you to like people who use that phrase. Yeah. To be like, grow up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Broccoli's awesome. Broccoli is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you just need to know how to cook it. Yeah. <laughs> There's so but many yeah. different ways. Exactly. So that's why, so that's why it's called Broccoli. And that's why I started the company as well. It sounds like around this time was also when you did the podcast, that's when you get a dog, correct? 2017? Yes, yes. So that was when, that was one of my practice podcasts. Okay, that's why I thought of that. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that was a practice one. And I really enjoyed it. So I, yeah, I don't know. Like, so in making that one as a practice one, and I guess in looking back, because something I love getting to do with my guests on my podcast is like allowing them space to kind of reflect on some of their past work. I guess... Was that a formative podcast for you in like the time of your life that you were in? Like given the kinds of like topics that were spoken about and I'll let you take the stage in a moment to kind of discuss that. But 
it seemed like a perfect podcast to do in your like what I think was your early 30s um, and that I'm enjoying on the cusp of turning 30 in like a month. So, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. So basically, I wanted, so I wanted to practice making podcasts, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to learn <laughs> as, um, you know, make something true to my life. So I think, yeah, I started that in my early 30s and it was, I'd got a dog when I was 30. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just, I, I was single and I was just like, there's so many boxes that women are put into. And I was like, that's when you get a dog. <laughs> Because you, because I'm like you, kind of like you're a little bit lonely, but not necessarily wanting a partner, but wanting like company. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's exactly what a dog does. <laughs> a dog gets you out of the house, gets you to meet your community. And so I was like, yeah, I got my dog when I was thirty, and I just wanted to have the conversations that women were having around that time because I feel like women now or the way women are boxed, it's you can be single, but you have to be young. Yeah. You can choose to be childless, but you have to be married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can be um, the career woman, but you have to be angry and older. And so I was just like, why are we, why are we in all of these boxes? And at the time I was um, not married, childless or child-free. Um, and single and I'm like that's but I was totally happy with my life right so I'm like why let's have these conversations so I kind of did one on like there are there is a surplus of single women compared to single men (laughs) they're like women who different child kind of experiences like do you want a child how do you have a child do you want one with like a husband a partner do you want to co-parent are you are you are you and that's actually how I found out all my IUI information from that podcast and I did IUI. What is IUI? <laughs> um interuterine um insemination when you use a sperm donor. Oh, so okay. in that one of the first episodes I think I spoke to someone who's planning to use a sperm donor. Yeah. And um I ended up doing it from that conversation. Oh, that's so cool. That was honestly <laughs> I was going to ask that I was like I wonder how these these conversations that you had for that podcast ultimately ended up maybe influencing your decision to have a child while single. Yeah, it's 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 definitely something from that making that podcast. And I remember we used to do the debrief with my friend Sophie, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, who was also single. And it was just she because she has a different perspective than me. But I, what I found, what I found just 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 what I find with women in general, how we are viewed as society, like you're not meant to be happy single. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I actually am. Yeah. And you're like, so what's, am I, am I broken? And it's like, no, I'm just normal. You can't be happy single guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, but, but you're viewed so weirdly. And it's like, oh, this has to be something wrong with you. And I'm like, I don't think, I don't think there is. <laughs> but so I wanted those conversations, but that podcast really informed, just helped me broaden my view of life. And I spoke to April Rain in one of the episodes about, goals you know um success later mm-hmm. or you know we have time because also we put deadlines on things and you're like why do you have to be at this point by that age and I remember speaking to April Rain who did the hashtag um, Oscar so white when she was 44 and she's like my life changed completely when I was 45 like a completely new life completely new career 
And it's like, see, mm-hmm. like we are once, once, as long as you're living, anything can be achieved. And I just think we need those conversations. So that's why I wanted to make that podcast. I wanted to practice, but I also wanted, I thought those kind of conversations were important and just to bring different perspectives. Because just the way I was viewing, seeing how we're viewed mm-hmm. when you're 30, you're literally left on a shelf. <laughs> And no one cares. No one targets you with any content. <laughs> no one targets you with any kind of marketing for any product. Yeah. You're just like this weird leftover woman. And you're like, but I'm still alive. <laughs> I still have options. Do you feel like that's changed at all? Or or like, how have you maybe seen that changed since you started that podcast? I don't think it has changed. I think there's more women of that age who are making content. Mm. And so I think podcasting has allowed us to have a voice. Yeah. But I still think the voices that are pushed to um, to be platformed by, like, let's say, mainstream is still, if you are over 30 and you don't have a child, you the woman who is going to be speaking for you will be married. Mm. Because single women, God forbid, get them out of here. Yeah. They're weirdos. <laughs> Have you have you seen the statistic about how like single childless women are the happiest women in the world apparently? But I don't see why you wouldn't be. Right. Like literally all your money is for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can do whatever you want. Like I know. I it's like it's just the most ironic statistic ever and it's like and it's just funny too cuz like it's it's something that you know men on the internet who like to be hateful towards women um and not just the internet but like when you think of like the types of people who like to comment shitty stuff on people's videos like love to try and attack women for being alone or single and it's like well apparently i'm the happiest uh person in the world so because i i yeah i only decided to have a child i've always wanted to adopt mm. My thing is always, I've got a step-parent and I always think step-parents don't choose the child, they choose the parent Mm. and the child is like an extra. Mm -hmm. So I was like, imagine you chose the child, which is adoption. So I've always wanted to adopt as as a first option. And when, and my my goal was always when I was 38, um, I ended up trying to do it earlier because I moved into a bigger place earlier. So I was like, hey, I can do it now. And the only reason I, I have gone the, biological way is because the adoption agencies were so judgmental on single people that they put you off and basically I was told I'm not ready mm. because I didn't clean my flat on a Wednesday and I mow my own lawn because mm. <laughs> that's the that's the questions they were asking me How who, who maintains your garden fascinating I do. <laughs> and you're like why is that a thing <laughs> right yeah it's like it's weird but they were so I ended up doing myself but I was completely happy single yeah. I mean I, I, I'm still happy single <laughs> and it's just I just wanted to be I've just always wanted a child yeah so I was like but I didn't care how and I and I'm someone who won't let I won't let another person dictate when I can do something mm-hmm. so in my career or my life and so I wasn't gonna dictate oh I have to wait for a man no I don't right you can buy that sperm <laughs> 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 it's available <laughs> so it's right out there you can pick what you want (laughs) and so that's what I did because I was never going to allow another person to 
if I want something, I'm going to get it. I'm not going to wait for another person to allow me to do it. And I like my life currently, like my single life. <laughs> so it will, obviously will change. But I was like, I'm, I, I'm, I can do this. Like I've got a great life. Yeah. So let's do it. But I can totally understand why single childless women <laughs> are the happiest. But I just think society now still hasn't still hasn't got on board or um, come to terms with women being single and happy. Yeah, I agree. So you have to you have to be if you're going to be a feminist or if you're going to be the person platformed, you always have to. It's always a married woman. It's always a married woman. Yeah. And I'm like, that's why. So I just think, I don't think much has changed, but I think podcasting has allowed us to have these conversations more mm -hmm. and allowed us to show that we're actually killing it yeah. and all right. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Okay, I hope you're enjoying this interview and I know I'm taking you out of it for a moment, but I promise it's in the spirit of women supporting women, but for real and not just as like a cute phrase on the internet. So this episode literally would not have been published without the help of Cassiopeia Studio, which is owned by my friend Amanda Roscoe Mayo. So obviously that makes it woman owned and it's a full service podcast studio and one that specializes in concept and development and flawless execution. And if it wasn't clear from my intro, I had been losing my mind over trying to find time and mental space and focus to edit this episode. And I simply could not do it. And it was stressing me the fuck out. So in comes Amanda and her studio to literally save the day and make sure I had this episode ready to share with you all by International Women's Day. So shout out to her. And what you are hearing now is an episode co-edited by Cassiopeia Studio. And also the first time that I've ever outsourced editing. So that's like a really big deal and lets you know how much I trust her and the work that she's doing there. So if you're listening to this and have or work at a company or foundation that's starting a podcast and you need help, I want you to go check them out. They collaborate with companies, foundations, and individuals to build audience trust and brand affinity through intentional podcasts. So go hit up Amanda at CassiopeiaStudio.com. I'm going to spell it out for you. That's C-A-S-S-I-O-P-E-I-A-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. And you can find out more and listen to their previous work. All right, let's get back into my conversation with Renee. So you're owning your own company. You're like rocking it on that end. And like now you've like made this choice for yourself and you're going to have a beautiful little baby come into the world soon. And I'm just wondering, like, have you had to like have any type of like mental preparation for like, OK, how will I manage the business and this or like, how is that going for you? Because having a business in its, in and of itself is, is a lot in terms of like mental and physical stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Where, where are you at with that? And how does it feel about to be like changing with that uh, yeah. setup? <laughs> so I've obviously, I've never had a child before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I, so I keep going, how hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> So, which obviously isn't the right attitude, <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm working. I'm working right up to labour, which okay. is rare. Yeah, because I'm in my last two weeks now. So technically, the baby could come any time. And you're chatting with <laughs> um, me, which I I'm, appreciate. Here I am, <laughs> and I'm recording a podcast tomorrow and next week. Oh. <laughs> and so I'm working right up, and I just think again, I'll be even more uncomfortable. 
is it as in the societal because mm. I think I think I'll come back and work harder simply because I don't want what I've gone through for my I'm having a girl so my daughter I don't want her to go through it yeah but also I'm like so I, I'm just super ambitious anyway and I, I I'll have two mouths like I've already got a little dog mouth to feed <laughs> I have an extra mouth to feed so I'll be like I've got to work harder yeah but I am I maybe am downplaying how hard it is to have a child <laughs> but I can't speak about that because I've never had one yet right but I know I'm gonna I'm coming back in February and I've been speaking to Sony like they put me on leadership coaching so I just finished that in June um because I plan to t- um, dominate the world when I come back hell yeah um that's that's literally list item number one <laughs> dominate, dominate the world <laughs> But that's that's how I genuinely feel. I'm not someone who I think I think that it will make me more ambitious, mm-hmm. more hungry, more hungry for change. And I think I'm really grateful that I did the leadership coaching because I think it has helped me to kind of you know ignore the little things and focus on the big things. Because I I was hating. I hate being a CEO. I think most people who run businesses I've spoken to they hate it too. So I'm like, good. We all hate it. Excellent. Why do you hate it? <laughs> it's awful. No, um, <laughs> it's it's mainly. So the hardest part is people. People management is really, really hard. And not everyone's a manager. Right. And I'm not a manager. Yeah. And so that I find that hard. Also, the balance between. I am in a very privileged position where I can turn down work. I don't work with companies I don't feel like align morally. Mm-hmm. And I don't do projects where I think they're boring. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't do them. Um, I'm in a privileged position because I, so I can. But a lot of companies find that balance of having to do that boring stuff and the stuff that doesn't necessarily align with them in order to bring in the money for the work, the work for higher money. Um, and then, so you kind of got to compromise yourself and then also you want to pay everyone fairly, be like, I'm not bringing in enough money. And you've, so you've got that. So there's just a lot of things about running a business that is just super, super annoying and just not enjoyable. And yeah, I've not spoken to anyone who's like, yeah, I love it. (laughs) Because I think, but I think it's because all of us who started our own companies, our new one, we're trying to do things differently. Right. And, but we're in the old world right? still because the world hasn't changed. We're just trying to, we're trying to operate in a new way, but in the old world. Yes. So you've got a lot of friction going against you, which is just another added annoyance or problem that just makes your job difficult. Oh yeah. So it's, yes, it's that, it's that kind of thing. Okay. But I think having the baby will, yeah, just spur me on to dominate. Like I said, item number one. 2023 dominates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that candor because I think that um, something I learned just from being um, an employee of certain people and someone who I'm like, you should be the founder, but not the CEO. And I think sometimes people don't realize that that's like sometimes you should just be the founder and not the ceo and that's okay um yeah and actually i I would like yeah in in the future i'd like to not be the ceo yeah i think i think i'm not a ceo yeah i think i could be a lead i'm a leader right i'm not a ceo right 
different I'm different not, job description different, different things yeah <laughs> yeah in talking about kind of like that friction right of like what we want life to look like what we want work to look like as we enter into hopefully a new era um and having to work against the old world and old ideals and all that shit so you created the equality and audio pact and can you first just let my audience know what that is and then also i just am wondering how is that going and how since you've started and i wonder if like you know what kind of friction or challenges have come up with it that maybe you didn't anticipate initially and yeah i just want to so no. yeah so the, the audio link equality and audio pact was a five action pact that mm-hmm. anyone could take anyone in audio so any company or any individual just five simple actions um they involved like hiring um, minorities not only for shows based on their identities um for like don't appear on panels that are unrepresentative of the place that is in and the industry that is in if you have if you share um pay gap dent- um, data share the um race gap data things you know simple simple things and so i wanted to put that out there because i was like i saw i did it in june 2020 so everyone was listening and thinking and learning <laughs> so it's <was> like <laughs> literally and so, and so i was like here's a good time to give them some stuff to do um, and lots lots of people signed up over 400 companies signed up maybe even 500 and i was like awesome it showed me two things I then got a few like um, interview requests and things like that. And I became a little bit more prominent as a person. It showed me I don't want to be a prominent person <laughs> because <laughs> being black and outside. Yeah. It's not a nice place to be. Yeah. Because I realized like some of the comments we were getting were, oh, another one was um, don't do, un- don't have unpaid internships. Right. So, um, so another, so someone commented on an article about the Equality Pact. Oh, so only white people will do unpaid internships then? And I was like, no. I said, what I said was, no one do unpaid internships. I didn't say black people. No. <laughs> so what I realised everyone was hearing was that everything I was saying about equality, they, they were hearing black. Yeah. Not equality. Mm. So they were hearing black. And I was like, oh, is this what people... And I was like, oh my God, is this what people hear when I speak normally? Mm. They're hearing the black version of everything. So I make podcasts. They're hearing, I make black podcasts. Mm. I'm a CEO of a production company. They're hearing, I'm a CEO of a black production company. Like they're hearing... So I realised that, oh, everything I've been saying my whole life has probably been interpreted way differently. And so I realised I didn't want to be an outside person. So I, I retreated back in to you know life in real life because i was like i'm not going to be a public figure um also i realized people don't want to change so um they signed up they did not complete the actions okay and all you have to and i saw from you know looking at if you look at all the events we've had in real life this year um a lot of them were online obviously 2020 because of pandemic 2021 but back 2022, real life events are happening. I'm seeing all white panels galore and no one cares. Absolutely no one cares. And I realised, which I've always known, which is why I don't work with a bunch of companies, is that it's the same people who were oppressing us before 2020, before they realised black people were alive. 
have are still the same leaders now. Yeah. So why would you change? Right. Because it's been fine for you the whole time. So the Equality in Audio Pact is not dead. It's there. Anyone can do those actions. People are choosing not to. And I realise it's because people don't want to change. And it's and it's weird because I also got, I think, people put me in a box to because I'm for equality. I think people think that means we should all be poor or we should all be right. chill and mm-hmm. hippies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I know what but, you're trying to say. I do. Yeah. I do. yeah. But I'm like, no, I said equality. <laughs> we should all have whatever the, the, big, the biggest man has. We should all have that. Right. Not we should all have the scraps down here. Right. And it also, like, I think people didn't realize, like, I work hard. I'm, I'm an ambitious person. I am hardcore sometimes. <laughs> but like, I like we ha- in order to get where I got to, I had to work hard. Right. I had to make podcasts. I had to, yes, some were bad, <laughs> but like, I had to practice making the podcast. It doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah. And I think people started to want to work with me who were just like wanted the vibes. Right. I know. Yeah. Rather than the, hey, we actually do work. Actually here. doing it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I realized it was because of the, when you say you want equality, that actually people's perception of you is that you're weak mm. and not that you want equality as in, I want to be you, right? the same as you. And I, it's funny because I, I deal with my main contact at Sony is like one of the um, people on the, the board. So one of the big bosses. And I said to him, I was speaking to him and I was like, yeah, people think they just had their perception of me. And I'm like, no, I don't think we should all be down here. I was like, we should all be on your salary. <laughs> that's that's what I call equality. All of us are living your life. We're all getting to thrive. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, living our best lives. Houses with pools. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I want for all of us, not all of us come down. And I think people, what people have been happy with and what they think is achievable to them they then put onto me. So I just found mm. it hard to kind of, the requests I was getting, the kind of interviews I was get, like getting asked to do or no, like I always say no one ever asked me to do business interviews. Cause I'm like, I did run a, I mean, I do run a business. Right. <laughs> but it was like, they always want to do diversity panels, diversity talk. And I'm like, yes, but it's, equality isn't that. It's equal. Everyone has the same. Right. And I think everyone just lost. I just saw what people were thinking. I was like, people don't want to change. And I, I, one thing about me is like, I always say, I'm not going to wipe your bum for you. (laughs) I will wipe my babies. But like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, you know, if you, I, you can lead the horse to water. You can't make it drink. Right. I can give you the actions. If you don't want to do it, then, you know, good luck to you. I'll avoid you. (laughs) Yeah, I have definitely witnessed exactly what you are saying. And I think it's it's in part one of those things of like, are you gonna like pick up your trash when only people are looking? Or are you gonna pick it up when you're alone? And that's fully something that you have to have the integrity to do for yourself when you're the only person there. And I wonder if there's I guess have you come up with like another way of expressing what you want to express or have you just kind of just stepped away from trying to 
well, outwardly think, push that if you get do you get what i'm saying like yeah i i'm i've decided so we can do what we want to do so abruptly we do it yeah um like our shows are very diverse we we kind of all of our shows kind of have some kind of social impact or some kind of empowering people with knowledge like kind of thing because I think I think we're not like I say I'm not comfortable I'm thinking anyone who is comfortable in this world right now you're mad um, <laughs> and, um <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's like what is clear is that people don't have knowledge so we're making a podcast right now um called 40 weeks Oh, um, which cool. I had the idea because of obviously pregnant. Right. <laughs> but um, but what I realized was that people, one of the main things we're focusing on is the first four to five weeks mm-hmm. because it really blows the Texas law, abortion law out the window because you're like, for the first two weeks, you're not even pregnant. Yeah. You're free, you, and you find, most people find out week eight. Mm-hmm. And week four, you most people wouldn't even show up on a pregnancy test. So if Texas is four-week abortion law, that's madness. But the majority of people don't know that. Only pregnant people who've been pregnant know that or people who have looked into, like, educated know that because you just assume, and men don't know that. <laughs> so you assume you're pregnant from week one. You're like, pregnant, that's from your first day of your period. That's what they're counting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's like, so we want to, we want to like empower people with knowledge. Yeah. And I think that's the way we're going with how to, you can't bang people. You can't make people do these actions, Mm -hmm. but you can, you can control what you put out there. And then that's why when I come back, domination is the next one. (laughs) Um, Because I think when I am, when I dominate the industry in some way, whether that is um, we make broccoli bigger or we, you know, I work close, more closely with Sony, whatever, but I'm going to dominate. I will be able to implement bigger things and show them that companies like that, you, you have to have a stance. You can't just be like, oh, I'm from everyone. Peace. No, have a stance. <laughs> <laughs> what is your stance? Yeah. Have one. Yeah. And I think that will help people because people like to copy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. People like to jump on board when someone's hot or someone's popping. That's when they'll support you. Because I noticed that when I did about race, it's like, oh, now people want to know my name. (laughs) So it's like people will copy. People don't want to put their necks on the line. And we saw that with, um, there was this big, there was, um, I don't know if you saw it, but a few weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, there was a kind of like a transphobic podcast that won an award, was nominated for an award in Britain, the Arias. Yes, I think I did. I don't remember the name. It was called Nolan Reports and loads of people signed a letter. I was one of the people saying this is wrong. It shouldn't have been nominated. Later that day, I see half the people who signed the letter at the awards. And I'm like, guys, you know how a boycott works? (laughs) And it's like, it's, I think people are just so needing the pat on the back, the congratulations, the, hey, I'm seen at this party that, like you say, would you pick up your trash in private? The answer's probably no, they wouldn't. And so it's like, I'm more just focusing on, if I see people out, I say it to their face. (laughs) And then if you're kind of, we're just focusing on who we want to work with. And I won't work with people who can't have a straight conversation with me about equality. Yeah. Won't do it. Mm -hmm. And people hate having conversations with me about equality. (laughs) 
<laughs> but they will. <laughs> Let's get it. If there was a broccolini of broccoli productions, what would the broccolini be? The broccolini <laughs> would be um, television production. Ooh, okay. Why, why television production for broccolini? <laughs> That's literally, television is my first love. Mm. And it's the, it's the thing that um, I got into. Like I said, I couldn't act. But yeah. I did love television. I loved yeah. the process of making it. I loved the process of it's one story. It's one world you have to keep coming back to. Because the film is like one story that you can be told once. And television is the you create a world and you keep going back. I love that. Um, so television. Television. I love television. I love that. Controversial. I co- controversial, I know, as a podcaster. But I, I, mean, I love it. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. But television has gotten even better and better and better, honestly, in my opinion. So I'm here for it. Speaking of television, if I'm not mistaken from a previous uh, interview you did, you have mentioned a love of The Office before. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I... I'm asking this question. There's probably an obvious answer, but I'm mostly asking it because I want to know the why. Um, so American Office or British Office and why? American. Oh, uh, American Office. I watch pretty much every day. Okay. It is superior to the UK Office simply because the UK Office is 13 episodes, I think, total. And the US Office is over 200 Oh, and the wow. fact that, um, but the the US, okay, it did get bad after Steve Carell left. So let's say from <laughs> up to season seven, I did watch it all, but okay. up to season seven, I think it's perfection. Okay, um, and I think that they were able to build a world outside of the restraints that they had in Britain from the British office, and they completely made a different show. Mm, okay, that has stood the test of time. Cool, it's a the best show ever made. <laughs> I. I honestly did not know that difference. Like I've only seen The Office here and there. I've never watched it like consecutively in order. And I didn't realize it was that much more expanded than the UK version. I just knew the UK version came first, right? It came first. And then inspired that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Speaking of American versus UK kind of creation culture, whatever. If you had an analogy for the difference between podcasting culture in America versus the UK what would it be? It would be ah. Oh, so you've we've all been to a forest. Yes. <laughs> you know you know what the forest is. So you, you've been to a forest. That's the U. That's the U.S. industry. Okay. Um, have you been to a windowsill in someone's flat? Uh, no. Where they've got a couple plants. <laughs> where they've got a couple plants. Oh, yeah. A couple house plants. That's the U.K. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that, that, god. That's that's us. Oh, I'm looking goodness. at my, my I'm looking at my plants here, uh, <laughs> but that's the, beautiful, that's the difference. The beautiful floral like forest behind you. Yeah, yeah. Um, this, yeah, yeah this, <laughs> this is the US. <laughs> my little dead plant over there is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, okay, if broccoli content were a meal, what? I guess the, a meal. I'm mostly interested. Okay, I just messed up that question. Because I realized I was asking two questions in one question. Um, But I guess if you want to say if broccoli content were a meal, what would it be? But specifically, what broccoli recipe 
would broccoli content and broccoli productions be? So bro- I would say broccoli um, productions slash content would be would be a meal. So what it would be is a salad. Okay. Because technically it's healthy, right? Right. Um, but it would be a salad with like, you know, the broccoli has been sautéed in oil and had garlic added to it and mm. salt and lots of flavour. But also the salad has... Um, if you're if you're meat free, it'd have your favorite non meat free protein. If you eat meat, you'd have your protein, and it would have. So what we would have is loads of carbs. Mm-hmm. So technically, you're like it's a salad, it's healthy, <laughs> but really you're super super fulfilled, mm. and you're like, oh, I'm not hungry. This is good. So it's that. It's the it's the sneaky salad that is actually has all your favorite things in it. Sneaky salad, but appears healthy. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like what I want to have for lunch today. Um, Okay. And final question is how can we support you and your work? I would say listen to our podcasts. We are, yeah, we always, we have, um, we love to work with just lots of different people. We love to work with new writers all the time. We have Mm -hmm. a show called Anthems where we always like to open up to people to, um, hey, do an anthem. Um, We have a show called Cancelled where we always invite new writers to write for us. Um, And we, yeah, listen to our shows. Also work with us in that sense, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and where can they find you on the interwebs? Broccoli content. Broccoli has two Cs, FYI, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Broccoli content on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm Red A Rich, but my my Instagram's private and my Twitter, I've stopped tweeting. (laughs) so it's pretty I wouldn't go there it's pretty boring our original music is produced by Carrie Blue the cover art was designed by Elsa Bermudez and everything else is produced and edited by me myself and I Miss Alexandra Cole and you can follow me on Instagram TikTok Twitter and Facebook at Podraland and you can find out more of what I do at www.podraland.com Sign up for my newsletter for more recommendations of women-hosted podcasts, related news, and special updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode. Tag us in it, like that shit, give it a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's my goal. So let's fucking do it. Thank you.